Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from football.london here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Tottenham. It was a big day at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday with Nuno Spirito Santos' team winning 2-1 against Aston Villa. It was certainly a much-needed win after those three previous defeats in the Premier League. As ever, I'm joined by Alistair Gold. Ali, you were at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yesterday. It was a good day. <laughs> it was a good day, yes. Much better. That's what we want to see. Um, they could have scored a hatful of goals, to be honest. Uh, they created so many chances, far more pleasing on the eye. Crowd really up for it. Crowd were kind of reacted to what Tottenham were doing out on the pitch, and that was great to see. And I'd say, other than the goal, which we'll obviously we'll discuss what happened there, I actually thought at the back Spurs were really good as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I just thought it was just one of those days. Nuno needed that kind of day. The team needed that kind of day and the fans definitely needed that kind of day. I thought it was probably one of the, or probably the performance of the season so far because what we've seen in the opening games, I know Daniel Levy said in that statement back in May that it'd be free-flowing, attacking, entertaining football and we've not seen that. Perhaps the Man City game on the opening day when Spurs did take it to City at times and looked to, you know, really push on and cause them trouble. We'd not seen that in the previous weeks. Uh, I mean, you could probably mention the first half against Chelsea, but that that wasn't the case against Arsenal last week. And Spurs, you know, 100% deserved that win. And I mean, they could have had it wrapped up long before the uh, final minute of stoppage time. So I think... All in all, uh, a very good day at the office, a much-needed win as well. So you just didn't want to go into that international break with all the doom and gloom hanging over Nuno. So I think there was uh, plenty of positives. And I think probably it's just a shame that we're now in the international break because after a win, ideally you'd want another game coming up and, you know, kick on from there. But that's not the case. Uh, I think we're going to have to wait. Two weeks now until a trip to St. James's Park uh, to face Newcastle United. Spurs didn't win there last season. They won there the year before. I know Newcastle haven't won yet this season in the Premier League, but that won't be a straightforward game. But Spurs will go into that now full of confidence and looking to uh, repeat uh, what they did against Villa on Sunday. I mean, what did you make of the performance overall? Would you say it was probably the best of the season so far or certainly up there? Yeah, I'd say I really liked the performance against Man City in the opening game. I felt, other than the first 20 minutes when Spurs were a bit panicky, I thought the rest of the performance was superb. I'd say against Villa was more of an all-round performance, probably. Um, Certainly far more chances created. And I think, I hope that nobody is going to say it was only Aston Villa, because that would be so wrong. Aston Villa have been, you know, superb recently. You know, they've 
being big sides like Manchester United and also Everton. And, uh, you know, they've... Uh, They've been really, really good. And, and I, I like Dean Smith. I like, I like his side. Although I'd say yesterday, I don't know about you, but I felt that they kind of were so frustrated by the way Tottenham defended. And, you know, you've got Ings and Watkins up front who are, you know, two of the most potent strikers the Premier League's had in recent seasons. But I felt they kind of almost just had to resort to Matt Cash's long throws as their only real form of threat, which I think was a massive compliment to what Tottenham did on the day. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of an all-round performance, 100%, it was, oh, it, was so, it was like night and day compared to the Derby performances. And, and I'd even say, I know you mentioned the Chelsea first half, and yes, that was quite a positive first half, but I still didn't feel it was a chances galore kind of created first half. Whereas, and I think we have to go back to Thursday night, and he got a bit of flack for it. You know, Nuno bringing on um, Kane, Lucas and Son for that last half hour. That night, he got a bit of flack as if, oh, you know, you're just rescuing your job. I absolutely think that half hour led to what we saw against Aston Villa. I feel like the way, especially Son, the way Son kind of came on and he was breezing past players on Thursday night and he just took that straight into yesterday's game. He was, Villa couldn't handle him, you know. I'm going to ask you this. I mean, Dean Smith said after the game, Son Heung-min was the difference between the two teams. I disagree. I think Son was sensational, but I don't think that's fair on Spurs. And I think it's incredibly generous to his own players to only say that Son was the difference on the day. What do you think? Totally agree with you on that. Son was absolutely fantastic yesterday, probably one of his best performances of the season so far. But Villa, probably the first... 10, 15 minutes, they had a lot of the ball, uh, probably were the better side to start off with before Spurs came into it, probably around the 20-minute mark. But I can't really rem- remember them actually forcing Hugo Lloris into a save, to be honest. I think John McGinn had a, a good chance. Uh, the volley what flashed wide of the post, but I think Hugo, they probably got that. There was the one when they'd gone through towards the end of the first half and Emerson got in really well uh, to tackle Matt Target before he was going to test Larice. But other than that, Romero I can't think had of it. Block, didn't he? Romero made a block just in front of goal as well. Yeah. I think, that, was... I think there was maybe one diving catch he made. It was quite comfortable. That was about it. Yeah. I think that was probably the one from Ings uh, yeah. towards the end. Yeah, I think that was right. the one where it fell to Ings. Uh, I don't think he got his shot away first time. He got it away second time, but he was comfortable. It was never anything to really test him. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, I think there was a lot of blocks and interceptions from the likes of Romero and Dyer, but there was never anything really to threaten Lloris and the Tottenham backline. So yeah, I don't agree with uh, Smith's comments. I do agree with what he said about Son being outstanding. He was, oh, but incredible. I thought there were thought there was a lot of good performances uh, from a number of Tottenham players. Uh, yesterday for Emerson, really strong uh, performance at right back. Hoybieg in the middle, uh, skip again. Then Kane looked to be getting back to his best as well. Uh, thought he put in uh, a decent showing. Uh, so all in all, I think the right team won. Uh, I don't think he can really have any grumbles about that, to be honest. Nah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's interesting you pick up on Kane there because Kane was getting a little bit of flack after the game. And I do think had he been a little bit more on it, 
Spurs probably would have won that four or five one. You know, he had some quite big chances. Um, but I do think it was an improvement in terms of what he was doing off the ball. I thought he was moving a lot more and I thought he was linking up play far better. And he was back to kind of winning those little free kicks that annoy the opposition, but actually give, you know, Spurs more of a foothold and, and where they want to be on the pitch and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was better from Kane. I wouldn't say it was like vintage Harry Kane or anything oh. like that. And I wouldn't say it was incredible, but I just felt it was more... He put himself out there for the team. I think that's important. There was a lot of defensive work he did. I felt that with Lucas Moura as well. I felt Lucas probably wasn't actually at his best in the opposition half. You know, we all thought he'd scored. Um, <laughs> apart from me, I must admit, I did say straight away, I thought that was an own goal, which was later proved to be correct. But, you know, I'm not going to milk that. Um, but I just felt that Lucas, a lot of his best work was done defensively um, in terms of in his own box. He leaps so high. For a, for a guy who's not the tallest, he makes a lot of headed clearances and flick-ons and stuff like that. And I felt, yeah, his best work was in his own half. But just for Kane, this was this was more of Kane sacrificing himself for the team. And I just don't think we've seen enough of that recently. And, and obviously, after what happened in the summer and people start to doubt his commitment to the cause, things like that, I felt yesterday, yesterday was quite important in that respect to show that. But look, as we said, we can't take anything away from Son. Son was the absolute star. He, he was. He was phenomenal. Villa didn't know what to do with him. But yeah, to say that he was the only threat Tottenham had or the or the main difference is, is daft. Because yeah, I mean, you look at it. What, Kane had two or three chances. Lo Celso had two late chances. Um, Emerson Royale had one cleared, didn't it? Just in front of the goal line. I think it was Mings. Uh, Luke, I feel like Lucas had a shot as well. Um, most players probably probably had a shot. So just to say it was one player, it's almost like you know, it's like old Pep and the the Harry Kane team. To say it was like the Son Heung Min team, it wasn't yesterday. It was an important part of it, but a, a cog within it. Um, oh, and also, can I now um, also let people know that I do also have laminated membership cards for the Ola Skip fan club as well. Um, they're available. <laughs> it meets on a different night to the Tongi night when we talk about Tongi, although Tongi wasn't that great yesterday. Um, but Oliver Skip, you know, when I look back, I kind of forgot that he didn't start against Chelsea and um, uh, Arsenal. And you just look back and you really realise, I think Nuno realised what a mistake. Because, I, you know, I got to interview, well, um, we had a press conference. It was technically a one-to-one -one interview, but I got to ask um, Oliver Skip. I was calling him Skippy. I'm trying to get away from calling him Skippy. It sounds like he's like my pet or something. But I, um, yeah, I asked him about kind of what Nuno's done for him uh, and um, and what he's been teaching him. And he was saying very much sticking centrally after the, when Spurs lose the ball and creating that shield in front of the defence. And we so saw that yesterday. We saw that in match situations and. It was just the difference, you know. Picked up a ridiculous yellow card again. I don't know what is happening with referees and yellow cards for Skip. It's just both yellow cards he's got, he's won the ball. Very, very weird. Um, or both certainly the ones that are kind of controversial. But, yeah, I just thought he, again, got the best out of Hoybier. You know, we all saw what Hoybier did at Euros, and I feel like Skip unlocks that version of Hoybier. Lovely finish by Hobier yesterday. Absolutely fantastic. And I thought he had one of his best games. I don't think it's any coincidence that he does it with Skip alongside him. 
Yeah, I uh, agree with you on that. I, I did think it was a bit of a strange decision not to start Skip at Arsenal just because he gives you that uh, shield in front of the back line and he would help with his defensive qualities. And when you look back at like the first Arsenal goal, I think Skip would have been in the m- middle uh, when they were attacking. So I can understand why he came straight back in uh, against Villa and really good again. Again, like you're saying, he just unlocks Hoybjerg. It allows him to get forward uh, a bit more because he's not just a defensive midfielder. He can be a box-to-box player and he should. And that was a really good uh, goal, linking up well with Son. And mm. talk about the finisher. I mean, they were absolutely fantastic. Just passed it into into the bottom corner. I've been proud of that. 100%. And... Uh, I think you could see how much the goal meant to him as well. Uh, you could see the passion in him when he celebrated. And I think it was just a much-needed goal for everyone and a better uh, relief as well, given what's happened in the past few games. But I think going on how Skip played yesterday, I think he's got to be a permanent fixture in the team. I wouldn't be dropping him. I think he can be the future of uh, Tottenham's midfield. And I think they're a much better team with him in it than uh, without some people still don't see it, though. It's really weird. I still got on social media yesterday. People say, oh, it's just another Tom Carroll, Harry Winks, all of this. And it's quite funny that they all use they use homegrown products um, as their kind of comparison. It's almost like you're kind, of, you're kind of setting yourself this very linear way of thinking that you're just essentially saying, oh, homegrown midfielders at Spurs, they're all the same. It's, just, it's not. It's not at all. It's, I don't know, it's a difficult one. You can't kind of keep ramming home the message because I don't think you can, if you can't see it with your own eyes, what he brings to the team, then I don't think anyone can really explain it to you. It's, it's really difficult. And that's, that's not to mean patronising in any way. It's more the fact that I think what he does, I think we've said this before, is it's not eye-catching. It's not the stuff that, you know, you're going to probably see on Match of the Day if you're only watching highlights, or you may not even mention it when you're watching it in, in a live game. But I I'd expect, and I could be completely wrong, and please, anyone do let me know if I'm completely wrong, but I, I just imagine maybe if you're at the games or you're at the stadium, you just maybe get a slightly better view and see the whole picture of what Skip's actually doing during the match. I just wonder whether if you just watch it on the telly, you maybe not, the camera isn't always on his positioning and the areas he's coming into and stuff like that. I just feel maybe if you're at the, at the stadium, I could be wrong. I could just be saying, you know, I could be slighting everyone that watches it on TV, but I just, just, I don't, I don't get it when people don't get it about Skip. You know, with someone like Tongi, I can see 100% you can say that some games he doesn't turn up, doesn't do this. And with Skip, yeah, of course, he's a very young guy. He's only 21. So there's going to be mistakes he's going to make and do things like that. But if you can't see how he makes Tottenham better on the pitch, I can't really explain it any better. (laughs) I I just, I don't get it. What I would say is probably just if you're at the game or if you're watching on telly, just literally just keep one eye on him and just see what he does. It is literally it's the dirty work. It's the way what goes unnoticed by a lot, but it's appreciated by his teammates. And as I said in the previous podcast, he probably is a player's player. When come the end yeah. of his career, the players who have played alongside him, if they're asked to name a best 11, then there's a good chance he will be in there because he just does the dirty work while everyone appreciates and that makes the team tick as a result. So, yeah, just keep an eye on him. I think he's just going to get better and better and he's he's definitely benefited from that year on loan at Norwich and we're now starting to see 
why Maurizio Pochettino rated him so so highly and had him in the in and around the first team squad as a youngster. Yeah, as did Jose. Yes. <laughs> it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. No coincidence. <laughs> they're not no. all saying this just for a laugh. Um, but there you go. There you go. You know, it's what did you um what did you think of the back line? What did you think of um because it was interesting. I think the goal maybe will change some people's minds on certain players who I'm not going to name at this moment. But what did you think? Of, I mean, let's start with the centre-backs. What did you think of Romero and Dyer? I thought they both played well. number of blocks and inter- interceptions. I thought both of them did well against Chelsea uh, when they started a few weeks ago. So it does look like Dyer is ahead of Sanchez in the pecking order now and Romero and Dyer are going to be that uh, long-term partnership Nuno looks to build his team around. Uh, I thought they did well uh, up against two good players as well, aren't they? Danny Ings yeah. and Ollie Watkins. And really they, didn't re- yeah, they didn't really have a lot to do, did they? Really, in yeah. terms of chances, it might have been one apiece. What I will say about Romero, he does like moving out of position. <laughs> I think there was a time in the first half. When, Can I just uh, point out to people, before Guesty explains this, every match Guesty is on Romero watch. Romero wandering watch. He loves it, don't you? You love it. I think if you could fit a GPS tracker on Christian Romero and work out exactly where he is at all time, you would, because uh, I love it. I, I almost now, whenever he motors up the pitch, I almost turn to check that you are uh, watching it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, we'd noticed that in the Europe Conference League game, I think it was the Pesos game first. And yeah, he, he just seems to get the ball and just goes where he wants with it. I think it was in and around the 18-yard box in uh, at one time. But against Villa, he, he did that. And I think there was a point midway through the first half where Pierre Milhoibierg had to drop into midfield and cover him. I think Romero turned... Look back, so Heubierg was there and he just stayed upfield on the right <laughs> instead of uh, going back. But all in all, thought he did well. Obviously, <laughs> he, he was caught out for the second goal, wasn't he, with the uh, the lunge on uh, Jacob Ramsey. That left him out of position. Uh, but I don't think you can have any crumbles at all with his performance. I think the more minutes he gets on the pitch, it's only going to be- benefit him. And I think soon we will see why he was named the Serie A Defender of the Year and why he was rated so, so highly in Italy. It does always take time for the foreign players to settle in, as has been the case with uh, Tongi. Uh, but hopefully he will hit the ground running sooner rather than later. And I think we're starting to see it now. Yeah, I think the goal was unfortunate. It was probably his one rash moment, Romero, sliding into a, a challenge a little bit late. Um, and that kind of stuffed Eric Dyer, really. Eric Dyer's getting a lot of flack for, you know, losing Watkins behind him for the goal. But to be fair, he's coming across to try and cover a gap that Romero's left behind him. And that'll happen, you know. He is 23 and he is still kind of working out what the um, kind of the, the aggression required and, and when to make his challenges in, in a very a much faster league. But you know what? I just, I wrote in my talking point or my piece that I wrote this morning and I just, I see, and I, this is obviously, it's very early days, but I see elements of both Alderweireld and Vertonghen in Romero. And I think it's really interesting. Like you see, he's got that, the kind of crossfield balls like Alderweireld plays. And he played four of them yesterday. Spurs did a little compilation this morning of them. They're really, really nice. Um, he's got the composure, I think, that Alderweireld has, most apart from the goal. <laughs> and 
But he's also, like Vertonghen, very comfortable in bringing the ball forward and up the pitch as well. I'd say probably the one thing he has that is on top of both of those, that those two probably didn't have, is that aggression in the tackle. He, he, he probably has that. Both of them were more maybe standing up to the final moment kind of defenders, uh, which is no bad thing as well. It's something Ledley King used to do as well. But with, with Romero, he's very much a, if you take one second to control this ball or dally on it, I am going to slam into the ball and take you with it if you happen to be there. Um, and I think, you know, I think that kind of sets his stall out. And he did a few of those yesterday where he just slams into the challenge. He made some really good... I mean, the first goal came about after Romero interception in his own box. It was really good. And like I would say, he made that really important block on the left-hand side, which looked really painful. It looked like he took it full on the thigh. It was a really painful looking one. I think he still has the little knee issues. I saw him limp a few times, um, which... This is one international break, other than being utter bore fest. Um, I just feel for someone like Romero, just two weeks for him to just rest that knee would be so perfect. But they just don't take it, do they? They, they, they don't. They just don't want to. They want to play for their country. And I get, yeah, I get it. If you're an Argentinian and you're playing with Messi and all that, and it's a huge honour, I do understand it. But no, I thought Romero was excellent. I thought Dyer was was excellent as well. It's just just the the. Um, the goal itself, obviously, was just kind of a blot on the copybook for the defence. But, yeah, Emerson Royale. What did you make of him yesterday? I thought well, that was very promising. Even I tried to get Nuno to praise him. He kind of did while still doing his usual Alistair kind of thing. But, no, I thought it was really good yesterday. Yeah, uh, he did well. I think he was on the receiving end of a you know, good old-fashioned crunching tackle from Jacob Ramsey early on, and he went to ground and... Then after that, that might have been a bit of a wake-up call for him. It's like, right, I'm here in the Premier League. I need to uh, up it. And then I think he himself did the big tackle on someone down the right flank. I think he was in the first mm. half. I uh, can't remember who it was on. It might have been Matt Target. Uh, but yeah, really promising. Linked up well with Lucas a number of times. Looked to get forward. More than did his bit defensively. Uh, at the end of the first half, we got back in time to stop Target getting uh, a shot off at Lloris. Second half, move forward uh, a bit more, had that effort, what Tyrone Mings cleared off the line, what looked like you were going to be going in. And then literally a few seconds later, showed his composure on the ball uh, in and around the area to get the better of Ramsey, get into the box and then pick out Son for that volley, uh, what hit over. Uh, all in all, really promising display from Emerson and what I think a lot of fans picked pointed out uh, in the Arsenal defeat that there was no summer signings in the team and surely that's a bit of a worry given what's happened over the past two seasons and it was a, a pivotal summer for Spurs and Fabio uh, Paratici. But Nuno's put the two summer signings in there and that defence performed well. So I think from now on, you've got to stick with them and just go. And hopefully that, you know, becomes the uh, backline what Nuno can rely on. But yeah, really promising from Emerson. It would have been nice for Nuno to dish out a bit more praise, but I think he can see some some signs in his game what that he can work on. And then that's a good thing. I think there's more to come from both of them. Yeah, I tried with Nuno. I did say, I, I, just tried to, I tried to make sure it wasn't just an individual question. I said, you know, look, good team performance, a lot of performances across the pitch to be happy with. But, you know, I kind of made out... His, for Emerson, obviously, he just looks to be settling in, which is a good thing. And it was that Alistair, 
Ah, that's it. We have to show patience. And I was like, I'm saying you did good. He did well. To be fair to him, his analysis on him was spot on. It was quite right. He said, you know, he said uh, he was really good at using the width, um, lots of good defensive work. And he was right. He said when he got into the attacking areas, just his decision making needed to be better. And I agree with that. There are quite a few times he could have crossed the ball earlier or he could have picked the spot better or, or taken a run. But that'll come. You know, he's still young. Was he 22? 22, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's very much a guy. It's just a bit the same with Regulon. It's like people kind of, he'll have games like yesterday where didn't probably too much that caught the eye other than the pass for Son um, in the build-up for the second goal, wasn't it? Yeah, that was him. Um, but defensively, maybe Emerson was more eye-catching in what he did. Um, but this is what happens with young defenders, especially ones that are kind of still finding their way in the English league. Um, but yeah, I thought that that was a good backline. Um, it was. I think Dyer's probably in there over Sanchez because his, his ability to play on the left of the, the back two. I think I'd worry maybe slightly about Sanchez and Romero, exactly who would be more comfortable on the left. Um, still do wonder long-term whether Joe Roden gets that, that gig. We, we re- remains to be seen. But no, I thought there was a lot of positives in that. And it was interesting to see, even before the game, we saw um, Hugo Loris was getting a proper workout from um, uh, Galini and Brandon Austin were firing in uh, like deep balls into the box. And the um, goalkeeping coach, Rui Barbosa, isn't it, I think? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, he was um, like really jostling and harassing and banging into Loris, essentially, to try and put him off. And you could see, we've kind of realised as the game went on, it was all preparation for all the, the cash-long throws and the balls into the box. And just I think that was the key thing. Spurs were so well prepared yesterday. Um, the goal aside, which was just a bit of a silly mistake, everything else they did out there, you could see it had come from the training ground. And that's really, really pleasing. That's a massive nod to Nuno and his coaches and getting that all right. And a lot of the attacking play, there was a real purpose to it as well at the other end. Um, I do. I feel like the fans responded. I feel the fans really kind of got into the game. And there were moments... Yeah, I've seen people even... I feel like I'm moaning about moaning at the moment. But there was even people moaning about the fact that there was only, only in quote marks, 53,000-something people in there. It's like, I don't, I don't know. Is that a bad number for me? That's like a huge number of people in a stadium. Yes, it's not a sellout. Um but there's different reasons nowadays. Yeah, maybe some people just didn't fantasy it. Maybe some people are worried about fuel at the moment and didn't go. But who knows? But I don't know. I, I just thought it was quite funny. People talking about a 53,000 attendance as like a bad thing. Um, and I get it. I get it. Some people are still... Some people who want have decided they wanted Nuno out, yes, they will not change their minds one bit. It won't make any difference to that. And I get that. Um, but... For maybe people like yourself and me who are kind of looking at it, trying to look at it as a more kind of balanced, objective way, um, I thought yesterday there was a lot of stuff that was building foundations. And I think the worst thing right now is that stupid international break because they really, I think, could have used the momentum now. Um, and it'll be interesting to see now when they come back whether that momentum's lost and hopefully we don't have the same mess that we had after the last international break as well. Yeah, very much so. I think it was just so important to get that win. As I said, you didn't want the doom and gloom going into this international break and question marks over Nuno's future. I think 
is with the new manager coming in, you need to give him time. You can't judge him after six games or whatever in the Premier League. So what was good, though, was the game plan did work. It was such an mm. important week for him, especially after those comments, the Arsenal one way of saying, oh, the game plan was wrong. Basically, they got it wrong. Yeah. And I think a few alarm bells were probably ringing then uh, with Spurs fans going on those comments. But no, everything worked out uh, really well yesterday. And thankfully, they did get the win. It's just a shame now that we've got to wait another two weeks for another uh, Tottenham game. But Nuno and his team will be working with the players at the training ground over the next couple of weeks and just preparing them and trying to get his philosophy and his thinking across. And hopefully... They will just be able to kick on when they travel to St. James's Park in two weeks' time. But there's some big games coming up because it's West Ham away the following week, then Manchester United at home, Everton away, some tricky away games coming up, uh, a tricky one at home as well. But I suppose going to the games confident and players they did against Villa, you'd fancy the chances of getting Newcastle, uh, a win at Newcastle, and then just really a bit of a snowball effect and hoping the wins keep coming and keep coming. So plenty of positives, a very important win. Uh, I think it was a good day and all. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think just watching even after the final whistle, long after after we'd done the press conference as well, just watch Nuno. He always heads out around the pitch back to the coach and he always has like a little backpack on his back and he carries out a little bag. I presume it's a bit of food for the journey home or something. Um, and just what I noticed yesterday was he was walking along. I think Steve Hitchin came out first, the technical technical performance director. And Nuno kind of caught him up. And then you could see Hitchin was turning to Nuno and, and holding his phone up. And Nuno was like waving. He was like doing this, like, hello, kind of thing. I, I presume it was like family or something. I don't know who it was. We, we thought initially it might have been Paratici, but as you pointed out, you saw him there. So... Unless he really had to leave quickly. Um, I can't imagine that was him. And it'd be a bit weird. <laughs> um, but I'd imagine it was some kind of family member, maybe one of Hitchens' family or something. But it was just, it just kind of harkened back to after the City game and watching Nuno walking around the pitch with his family, taking a few photos, just this happier mood, this content, almost, like, yeah, content is probably the best word. And just seeing him walking around and, just Spurs needed that. It's it's so weird when you look at it. It was in the grand scheme of things, it was only three defeats. Yes, they were derbies. Yes, they were three dreadful performances, three goals in each. There's no getting away from they were they were terrible performances. But it's just so weird how football works like that. Three defeats, and everything was suddenly the end of the world, and it was the worst thing ever. And all it took has taken really was a. Uh, a little kind of electrifying end to the match on Thursday night and in a really good performance against a tough team in Aston Villa. And I think a lot of the mood inside the club will have probably shifted. A lot of it. Just, it works both ways. Three defeats, but then two wins probably shift it all back in another direction as well. And like I said, I just really hope that none of the players go away and, and just kind of get distracted from what's been happening. I was trying to work out who's going to be able to work with over this international break because... There's even less than before, I think, because it's like literally probably Delhi, Dyer and Winks. Lucas, um, Lucas never gets called up by Brazil, Lucas does Lucas never gets so called up anymore. Um, I was trying to think of who else, but obviously Emerson's now got called up for Brazil, which is also a testament to his move to Spurs, isn't it? Isn't that weird? He was at Barcelona 
and wasn't didn't get in their last squad. Yeah, he comes to Tottenham and does. Um, definitely, Spurs aren't bigger than Barcelona. <laughs> well, at the moment, the way Barcelona are, they're a bit of a mess. But yeah, I was trying to think of who else is there. Even Hill has now been called up to go into the Spanish squad, which is massive for him. That's great for him. Has I'm not, Big, you know, has Bergwijn been called up to Holland, given the injury? I'm not sure on that one. I think so. I haven't heard about. It. I have to have a look look at that. But yeah, um, that's the one of the few positives for an international break for me is when someone like Brian Hill gets that call up for the first time. That's big for him. That will elevate his confidence, and he'll be playing, you know, alongside some top top players there as well. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I think everyone else, even Galini, is. I presume he's in the Italy squad again. Um, so you're looking at. It's almost like you're just going to have to flood that with under twenty three players, and I'm not entirely sure how much will be got. Oh, sorry, Tongi, Tongi, I don't think it was in the yeah. final squad as well. Well, they say he'll be there, um, and yeah, it's it's going to be weird. I presume he'll give them some time off, but also it'll be a fitness thing, which will benefit the likes of Tongi, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I just, just such a weird time international breaks. I think they just do away with them. Let's just not have international matches anymore. It's easier. Yeah, I think that would be uh, the ideal scenario for all the uh, clubs that are the, the countries there uh, would be happy with that or not, Probably, FIFA yeah. and UEFA. So, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so hopefully, fingers crossed, they're just it won't be a complete disaster like it was in September with a number of uh, people coming back with injuries. No, uh, do you want to explain the isolation thing as well, in case people aren't aware? Yeah, obviously there was... Uh, question marks over what's going to happen with uh, Davinson Sanchez, Christian Romero, Giovanni Lacelso, Emerson Royale, given what happened back in September when they went to the red list countries and three of them, instead of having uh, a 10-day quarantine in a UK-based hotel, went on a lad's holiday, didn't they, to Croatia. <laughs> some, some might see it as a lad's holiday. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it sounds it was like the road to Toronto. Yeah. That sounds like a great... Yeah, it was a it was a training camp in Croatia with one of the uh, Spurs staff. So got, got to do a lot of fitness work and just prepare ahead of the uh, Chelsea game. I think it was this time the rules have changed. I think providing, of course, you are double jabbed or had the single jab, uh, then you can return to your club. But I still think you've got to isolate, haven't you? I didn't. You go back yes. into the club bubble rather than going back and mixing with your family. So thankfully, Spurs have the lodge, uh, the facilities there at the club's training ground where they can reside for a, a period of time and they can just rejoin. In a very uh, luxury hotel. <laughs> yeah, can just rejoin the teammates and, you know, get straight back down to business and then uh, get back on to the pitch against Newcastle come the end of the international break. So thankfully, there won't be... Uh, the same mess as those in September because that was just it was just farcical. So there's positives yeah, to this. No injuries, break. please. No injuries, please. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I do feel sorry. I, well, I say feel sorry. It's still difficult for someone like Davinson Sanchez, who you know he's, he's got got a, a child, wife, and all that. I'm trying yeah. to think, I think Romero certainly has got a partner. I don't know if he's got any kids though. I don't think the other two have. So perhaps. Staying for ten days in the lodge with each other and still being able to train it isn't isn't too much of a hardship. Yeah, I do feel for Davinson Sanchez. He's going to be separated for ten days, but then I guess 
it's kind of the life of a footballer. And I guess also if you accept that international call up, I suppose that that is your choice. But uh, it's definitely a much better scenario for Tottenham this time. And now, like I say, we've just got to avoid injuries. I think it'd be so. Spurs had easily the worst international window of any team. They should have the best one now. Every player should come back full of confidence, fully fit, and everything. Um, I'd be intrigued to see whether you know there's some deals done, whether they play all three games each player for all their countries or not, or how that works. Because yeah, I definitely think Spurs are owed a few favors. Just by just by just by the fate itself. Yeah, just thankfully they're going into this international break with a win because if they weren't and then September was to repeat, I mean, God, I don't know what it'd be like going into that Newcastle game. It'd be just chaos. But yeah, thankfully there's going to be some positives, I think, going into this October international window, and hopefully they will continue over the coming weeks. I think we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Top Tottenham. If you'd like to leave us a rating and review on iTunes, then please do so. And as ever, just keep with us at football.london. Over the next few weeks, we'll just have all your latest Tottenham news and we will be building up to the trip to St. James's Park midway through the month. And I'm sure we'll be back next week to look ahead to that game and reflect on the international break so far. So thank you for joining us and just keep with us at football.london.